Good evening, hushlings, and welcome. I present your preceptors to the underbelly of the void, the whispers of conjecture, and the known of the unknown. Thus begins the conclave of the Hush Hush Society. Greetings, Hushlings. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Where we journey into the world of conspiratorial mysteries and dark truths. I'm Declassified Dave. And I'm Mystery Mike. And as always, we're joined by our favorite Doom Yogi, Slick Frank Sanders. Yo, it's Slick Frank Sanders. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I am sweaty and bringing the Doom, boys. <laughs> it's a hot one. It's hot. <laughs> Hot today, boys. Om Shinrikyo, in English meaning supreme truth, was a Japanese new religious movement and doomsday cult founded by Shoko Asahara in 1987. It carried out the deadly Tokyo subway sarin attack in 1995 and was found to have been responsible for the Matsumoto sarin attack the previous year as well as other crimes. The cult was centered on an anti-Japanese government and anti-traditional Japanese Buddhism ideology, and paired with yoga, anime pop culture, and with teachings of a pending nuclear apocalypse with only the members surviving. Sounds familiar. It does. Its founder and other leaders of the group have since been executed, yet the group is active and operating under another name, Aleph. And according to multiple nations, is still a terrorist group. But before we prepare ourselves for yet another rapture, just want to remind you to check out our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can reach out to us there and follow along as we post memes. That's mostly what we do. Some informative stuff here and there. Also, make sure to leave us a review. Makes us a better show. We read them. We appreciate them. We appreciate you taking the time. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podchaser. There's a whole bunch of places. Find them. Rate us. Let us know. If you want the one-stop shop for the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour, www.hushhushsociety.com. All of our episodes. We got a ton of new blogs. On top of that, you can check out our merchandise and links to all the socials Mike mentioned on top of the direct link to our video portion. And that link will take you over to Rockfin. That's right. Our Rockfin channel includes full-length debriefings as well as declassified discussions with a little bit more 
visual uh, interaction with us. You know, go over there, check it out. You can leave goofy comments over there too. We read them all. We love them. We love you guys. Go check it out. And before we get going and delve into this cult, Hushlings, we appreciate you and thank you so much for 300,000 downloads. We hit another milestone. Uh, we're pretty stoked on that. And uh, we couldn't do it without any of you, whether you watch us or listen to us, masturbate to us. We love you. Well, boys, let us begin at the very beginning with the cult's founder and leader, Shoko Asahara. He was one of six children born Chizu Matsumoto on March 2nd of 1955 in the Kumamoto Prefecture, or what we would call counties, and that is located on the island of Kashu. From birth, he has suffered from infantile glaucoma, which made him lose all sight in his left eye and go partially blind in his right eye at a very young age. It's got to be tough. And was eventually sent to a boarding school for the blind and other disabled children, where he was actually known to be a bully. He was taking advantage of other students by extorting them for money, totaling about 30,000 yen, and beating the ever-living shit out of them. See, well, he had an advantage. He had one eye. Everybody else was blind in the school. So this dude's just <laughs> robbing people. You can't even That's say so like bad. he's robbing people blind because uh, it's a blind school. <laughs> That's so bad. It's bad, but it's what a, what a dick bag. Like he's the only one that can see just like just a little bit. And he's like, I'm going to rob all these motherfuckers. From even that young age, he lusted for power. He attempted to be class president numerous times and was the only person in the school that had partial eyesight, as we just mentioned, and actually wanted to be Japan's prime minister, which obviously didn't work out. After graduating in 1977 and failing to gain admission to medical school, he studied acupuncture and pharmacology and opened his own pharmacy in the city of Chiba specializing in Chinese medicines and acupuncture. In 1978, he married Tomoko Matsumoto. She took the name Akari Matsumoto after her release from prison and fothered six children. Super busy. Six ain't bad. Yeah, Open them out. Bam, bam. It's par for the course for the time period. Just popping them out? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. In 1981, Ashihara was convicted of practicing pharmacy without a license and selling unregulated drugs. Uh, he sold a plethora of drugs, including LSD, methamphetamine, you know, the good stuff, for which he was fined about 200,000 yen, which in 2019 is only about 260,000 yen. Not too much inflation going on over there. And Ashihara's interest in religion reportedly started at this time after his conviction for fraud in his business went completely bankrupt. Sucks. He dedicated all of his free time to study various religious concepts, starting with Chinese astrology and Taoism, Western esotericism, yoga, meditation, acupuncture, esoteric Buddhism, esoteric Christianity, leading him to eventually join and become the leader and ultimate creator of Om Shinrikyo in 1987. Hey, that was a good year. I was born that year. Dude threw away a career in the pharmaceutical industry <laughs> to flip acid and meth. I mean, technically, he was still in pharmaceuticals, right? 
Yeah. Technically. Yeah. Yeah. They call me the pharmacist and he opens up his trench coat. <laughs> the infamous group began in 1987 as a yoga and meditation class called Om Immortal Mountain Wizard Association. <laughs> and it developed significantly over the years. Receiving legal religious organization status, which makes them tax exempt and can't be prosecuted, as Om Shinriko in 1989, and attracted a lot of graduates from Japan's leading colleges and other trained individuals in tech, mechanics, chemistry, biology, as well as other various skill sets. I want to be an immortal mountain wizard. Dude, Shadow Wizard Money Gang. <laughs> Shadow Wizard Money Gang. That's my goal right there. The other targeted people would have been what we call, quote, basement nerds, or extremely introverted and detached from typical Japanese society. This gave them a different way to reach new supporters, which included the publication of comic books and animated cartoons. They would have got me, I'm telling you. They aimed to connect that audience by using popular anime and manga themes like space missions, strong weaponry, global conspiracies, and the search for ultimate truth, as well as publishing various magazines. Asahara also used themes from Isaac Asimov's Foundation series. See, this doesn't sound so bad so far. I don't know. It just sounds like a really cool club. Like, the, those are... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Hell Yeah. How cool would that have been? You know, you get acid, you get a little meth, just hang out, watch some anime. What a crossfade that would be on acid and meth. That sounds terrible. And watching anime. While doing yoga and getting acupuncture while watching anime. Oh, my God. It must have been a great time. These people were just fucked up the entire time. I mean, that's always how it starts. They're just having fun, having a good time. Om Shinrikyo was a syncretic belief system, which is actually the practice of combining different beliefs in various schools of thought. Clearly, he, how many did we rattle off just a minute ago, you know? And that draws upon elements of early Indian Buddhism, Tibetan Buddhism, as well as Hinduism, taking the Shiva as the main image of worship. And it also incorporates Christian millennialism ideas and the theory and practice of yoga and the writings of Nostradamus. You guys get all that? This one admirable thing about cults is that they just, they're very inclusive. They might have an image issue, you know, not really knowing who they are. So they just pick and choose the coolest of everything that's out there and put it all together. It's a great melting pot. All you need is LSD and meth and you could create your whole world. These people are living in an alternate reality. They must have been living in an alternate reality. With everything that's thrown, at least with other cults like like the Branch Davidians, where you actually have violence happening and similar activities, they didn't take everything. It was Christianity that really brought that together. That was it. And this is just a melting pot. If you really think about it, that's kind of a genius way to reach as many people as possible because there's a little bit of something for everyone. Like I said, I... I... I may have joined. I might have done it. You know, while I was writing this one, halfway through it, and then a few other times, I was like, "This would have got Mike." I was like, "I was like, this would have got him." I would have been seeing Mike in pink cloak one day and just talking about how we need nuclear fire to kill the world so he can survive. 
Shadow Wizard Money Gang Mountain Warrior yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> All while watching anime and taking LSD. Asahara actually declared himself to be Christ and Japan's only full enlightened master, as well as identifying himself as the Lamb of God. Isn't that the same thing as Christ, though? His mission was to take it upon himself to wash away the sins of the world, and he claimed that he could transfer spiritual power to his followers and ultimately take away their sins as well. Also, I should mention, he could levitate. He could float. That might have been the LSD for most people. That might have been some strange astral projection weird stuff he was doing, maybe. It gets a little more strange. Uh, allegedly, he sold his bath water, and then he sold tea that he made with his hair and clippings. He sounds like an e-girl now. Yeah. Some chick with, a, with an OnlyFans <laughs> selling shit to fuckboys in Japan. But where does this hard left turn come in? To where you go, I'm Christ. I'm the only enlightened master. Because like I said, it started off calm, cool, and collected. Nice little group of people. Many different skill sets. You're reaching the masses. And then all of a sudden, I am the enlightened one. I can levitate. I can take away your sins. Meth. <laughs> because somebody has to establish the leadership role at that point. And the only way to get that all-encompassing power is to say that you are the all-encompassing power. And he's been doing that since he was a kid, too. Yeah, I mean, when you're the only one that can see in a blind school, <laughs> I guess you are the all-encompassing power. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He is the one who sees. You see that picture of him floating? It looks like he ripped a massive fart. That's just a really well-timed picture. He just jumped and crossed his leg somehow. I don't know. It, it definitely is a well-timed picture. It's it's him just falling and bracing himself for slapping his nuts against that floor. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Hushlings, you can't see this picture unless you're watching us. But uh, yeah, just you could probably just Google it. <laughs> Sahara nut stomp. <laughs> Ground pound. He's been on tour with Steve-O. It's like Mario in the video games where he like does the flip and lands on his. <laughs> the evolving cult justified its violence through its own unique interpretation of Buddhist ideas and doctrines, such as the Buddhist concepts of Mapo and Shobo, which is the three ages of Buddhism of death and passing into Nirvana seen in Eastern Asian Buddhism. Asahara claimed that by bringing about the end of the world, they would restore Shobo and, quote, interpreted the Tibetan Buddhist concept of Poba, which is the tantric practice found in both Hinduism and Buddhism described as the transference of consciousness at the time of death. Mindstream transference, which is the practice of conscious dying. By killing someone contrary to the group's aims, they were preventing them from accumulating bad karma and thus saving them. Sounds amazing. The people that they killed, they were saving them, essentially, and saving themselves in the process. But what's to stop that person from, say, getting reincarnated, moving on to their next karmic experience and just turning into Hitler? Them mm. killing them did nothing. Because in their next life, that they could just get more bad karma, or you don't know how it's going to go. Not only did they mistreat the people in the group, 
or cult, but they also killed anybody that was opposing them, or at least attempted to. And clearly the general public with the sarin attacks. They were doing their enemies a favor by killing them. According to American psychiatrist and author Robert J. Lifton, Asahara believed, quote, humanity would end, except for the elite few who joined the group, and the mission was not only to spread the word of salvation, but also to survive these end times. Asahara predicted the gathering at Armageddon would happen between 1997 and 2003. He also referred to the United States as, quote, the beast from the book of Revelation, predicting it would eventually attack Japan and start World War III. Hmm. It's very similar to the Branch Davidians. Yeah, big war, big battle, their group against everyone else. Hmm. Ugh, doomsday cults, man, tell you. The cult lost $1 million in risky gold investment in Australia but reportedly made a fortune by using the property to manufacture drugs and presumably biological and chemical weapon variants like anthrax, botulism, VX, and ultimately sarin. They also invested in a chain of discount stores and other properties, including an eight-story building in Tokyo with a vent system disguised as other components. What is that all about? Uh, They were leaching viscous chemicals out to the public from the top of a building that's wild yeah that is crazy one thing i thought discount stores can you imagine if they like own dollar tree can you imagine (laughs) so were they accumulating this money to invest from other followers like was there that financial aspect of it yeah they would take loans from followers you probably have to pay like dues and fees uh they never got repaid i'm sure nice yeah probably not and the entire group accumulated to allegedly 65,000 people worldwide. Total value of all these people, but probably more just for Asahara and his minions, 300 million to 1 billion yen. That's a big figure, though. 300 million to 1 billion? We don't really know. Now, Asahara actually owned at least three luxury cars. Guy was balling. He was driven around in a Rolls Royce. And when he was shuttled from place to place, he used a Soviet-made Mi-17 helicopter. This thing is a badass-looking helicopter. They got to make, like, a Hollywood feature film about this dude's life. He went from a failed pharmacist to drug kingpin to biological warfare manufacturer in the span of a couple of years. Listen, I know it's going to sound incredibly racist, but if you look at the picture of this guy, there's only one person that could play him in this movie that you are proposing. That's Bobby Lee. Hell yeah. Yo. It would have to be Bobby Lee. And you know what? It's only not racist because Bobby Lee constantly gets real racist about Koreans and stuff. So it's fine. Let's get a little into the structure of this cult. We've talked about their doctrine, uh, what they're all about, their baller-ass cars and helicopters. Uh, but they were preparing for something that they called the Armageddon. Not Armageddon. The Armageddon. Because, you know, Om Shinrikyo. Clever. Is that copywritten? Is uh, I don't know. But it must have been the LSD. <laughs> now our boy Shoko Asahara occupied the top position, obviously. He called himself the supreme leader. And every time I hear that, I think about Hitler and Star Wars. That's it. Yep. It's the only, it's the only time. 
it's fitting that they go hand in hand for you because as I get older and continue to like rewatch Star Wars stuff, the Empire are just space Nazis and I just oh, see yeah. it more. It's just more and more blatantly obvious to me. Absolutely. Everything about them is space Nazis. Yeah. Now under him, he had his ministers and they were classed into seven ranks of enlightenment and all pledged complete and total allegiance to him. Many of the followers were highly trained graduates in the sciences and technological fields from some of Japan's leading universities. Some members with degrees in fields such as medicine, biochemistry, architecture, biology, and genetic engineering. A distinctive figure of this cult was that there were actually many young intellectuals in their 20s and 30s who had dropped out of Japanese society to join this doomsday cult. Our first minister was Hideo Morai former Minister of Science and Technology. This was a key ministry which reportedly had over 300 members, including a number of skilled scientists, and he was responsible for the cult's scientific experiments and was the critical ministry for the production of the sarin nerve gas. Next we have Kiyohide Hayakawa, who was the Minister of Construction, Bob the Builder of the group. He was one of Asahara's chief advisors and considered the mastermind of the sect's growth and militarization. Next up on the roster, we got Yoshihiro Inu, and he was responsible for gathering intelligence on government countermeasures against the cult, as well as acquiring scientific and other technical materials. They dubbed him the intelligence minister. Big smarty pants over here. Tomomitsu Nimi was the Minister of Home Affairs. This ministry was responsible for maintaining control and discipline over the membership. It was involved in most of the kidnappings and torture of dissident and runaway members. Next, we have Ikuo Hayashi, who was the treatment minister. He was the key player in developing the sarin for the Tokyo attacks. And lastly, we have Saichi Endo who was the health and welfare minister, who did nothing health or welfare-wise. Um, he actually studied and perfected the chemical and biological weapons research and development programs. This is well-organized. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, you don't see this sort of planning and organization in most of the other cults that we've covered. Right, They're getting like the, the down lows and handing out shitty guns and I don't know. They're pulling people from universities to do God's work. One of the things that seems very unique to this cult is that not only were they preparing for their Armageddon, but they were looking to hurt the public. Branch Davidians were ready to hurt the public. The Heaven's Gate didn't want to hurt the public. They just wanted to blast off behind a comet. I think that's something that's really unique. And then we, what, the Kanungu massacre, when we covered that, that was internal. They were just there to take out really their own. Kill all their own people and take their money. How exactly did pursuing killing the public help with their Armageddon? I think their big thing was obviously accumulating all these weapons and preparing essentially for war against everyone because they were supposed to be the ones to incite this nuclear holocaust that was going to happen, mm. that they were going to survive. Om was clearly involved in the planning of both a conventional and unconventional attack against the Japanese government and people. 
They were ambitious but largely unsuccessful in conventional warfare after spending more than it was worth in AK-74 parts and other firearms. So Om resorted to the more terrifying chemical, biological, and nuclear preparations to start Armageddon. So they tried with guns. They tried to almost militarize, I guess. Started their own government a little bit within their own group. They spent way too much money on useless weapons. So then they said, you know what? We don't need weapons. Just uh, just pump these gases. Yeah, because they knew they weren't going to go guns blazing. I think they had allegedly the parts for like a thousand AK-74s and they only produced a couple. Once they were raided, they found just parts and they entirely spent more money on the parts to build these guns than what it would have been worth to spend $300 from the Russians to buy these weapons, you know, a pop. It's kind of interesting that they made all these weird investments. I think this had a lot to do with the Australia endeavor where they fronted it on on making guns and drugs. It's impressive that they even managed to pull off getting a bunch of gun parts into Japan as Japan's gun laws are extremely strict. Like it's probably easier to get shipments of meth and LSD than it was to get those gun parts. Yeah, I was wondering how they did it. They brought it in by helicopter. Yeah, I feel like if you're able to get just a, a military helicopter that you can probably pull in some weapons too at yeah. some point. It's one of the most widely used rifles too for a lot of the countries in Asia as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had a lot of Russian supplied stuff. So we mentioned it a little bit earlier about the treatment of the members and uh, they didn't get the best treatment. There was actually rumblings of torture treatment within the cult and living conditions in some of the complexes that they were living were actually super, super, super grim and harsh. Some were actually allowed five hours of sleep a day. I believe the ministers were allowed five hours of sleep and regular workers were only allowed three real fucked up. They weren't allowed to bathe. That was one big thing about the cult. Everybody had to stink. And they were only allotted like some rations throughout the day. So they weren't eating full meals. I think they were eating like steamed vegetables. That was about it. That's all they got. That's all you need. You don't need much more than that. Eat your four pieces of broccoli and then go put four guns together before bed. <laughs> that's that's your nighttime. You're only getting five hours of sleep. That's it. Initiation rituals often involve the use of hallucinogens such as LSD, like we mentioned. Religious practices often involved extremely ascetic practices claimed to be yoga, but were actually severe self-discipline and abstination from all forms of indulgence. Why stay in a cult that treats you so horribly? Sense of family. Yeah. Oh my God. They're all Vin Diesel. Well, the answer to Dave's question would be, if you decided to leave, you could be hung upside down, dunked in water repeatedly, so just a very violent swirly, beaten, whipped, starved, or given shock therapy, but some fates were actually far worse. In 1994, members killed up to 20 dissident members by spraying or injecting them with VX which is an extremely toxic synthetic chemical compound that was developed for military use in chemical warfare. In 1995, they used biological and contaminated food on their own members, most likely for weapons testing. These guys were sick. I mean, you got to test out the weapons. 
You know, yeah. the stuff that you're picking up on the black market, you got to make sure that shit's potent. I want to say VX actually killed the most recent Kim Jong-un's brother, I believe. Oh, shit. Whoever just died in North Korea recently. Was it an assassination? Uh, it must have been because I was reading a little into, into VX and VX can actually just be like wiped on the back of your neck and you die. It doesn't need to be injected. It can just get in contact with your skin. And absorb through the skin. Yeah. That's wild. Like like that fentanyl. Yeah. Fent and pack. if it was put in the air, it would dissipate after a while. Not like sarin where it, it lingers a bit. The lawyer Tutsumi Sakamoto organized an anti-OM public relations campaign. Sakamoto apparently sought to demonstrate that OM members, similar to members of the Unification Church, did not join the group voluntarily, but were lured in by deception and were probably being held against their will by threats and manipulations. And in 1988, he pursued a class action lawsuit. This guy was on to them, but that's a bold claim. That means these people were just being held hostage, like they were kidnapped, essentially. Well, from what we're seeing so far, that might not be so far from the truth. And and if you're being threatened with bodily harm or death or torture, of course, that's a way to keep people in line. Yeah, for sure. Even if you don't want to be there. In 1989, Tokyo Broadcasting System Television, or TBS, taped an interview with Tsumi Sakamoto regarding his anti-OM efforts to expose the cult for what it was. For some reason, the network secretly showed a video of the interview to OM members without Sakamoto's knowledge, intentionally breaking the protection of sources. OM officials then pressured TBS to cancel the planned broadcast of the interview. Fucking drop the ball on that one, huh? They had some power, too. If they're able to just be like, yeah, you're not going to show that. The CIA. Colt CIA. Several days later, on November 3rd of 1989, several Aum Shinriko members drove to Yokohama, where Sakamoto lived. They carried a pouch with 14 hypodermic needles with a supply of potassium chloride, ultimately killing Sakamoto, his wife, as well as his 14-month-old daughter. They were found with their teeth broken out of their mouths. Just teeth fragments all over the living room. It's fucked up. Following the Tokyo attacks, police charged all members Hideo Morai, Tomomasa Nakagawa, Katsukai Ozakai, and Satoru Hashimoto with the murder of the Sakamoto family. Ozaki's trial was the absolute shortest as he pleaded guilty to all charges. Just came out and said, I did it, and I'm proud. Save some tax money. Murai never made it to trial, as he was stabbed to death by a Korean assassin while reporters tried to cover the story in April of 1995, as he was being transferred by police. Okazaki was found guilty in October of 1998. In 2000, the last two perpetrators, Nakagawa and Hashimoto, were convicted of the murders and sentenced to death. It was broadcasted live. I was trying to find the video for it. It's definitely out there. But he was being brought in from a car to a building and got whacked. By a Korean. Yeah, I was trying to look into that to see if there was something to that, like politically. Like there might have been some type of animosity going on from maybe another cult or some type of faction i couldn't really find much or he was hired by om could have been 
1989 is when things ramped up and attacks on the public and rumors of the treatment of the members within the cult began to catch the eye of the authorities and some public. Here are a few events that led up to some horrific violence carried out by the cult. Parents and family members of Aum recruits complained to law enforcement officers that the Aum was kidnapping and physically assaulting recruits and family members of the recruits. Later that year, Aum members were found guilty in a Japanese court of violating the Utilization of Land Planning Act. Two no-nos right there. And in 1992, Aum sent medical missions, quote, medical missions, to Zaire to obtain a sample of the deadly Ebola virus. And in 1993, they began research into the production of chemical agents. These guys are fucking psycho. Going to find Ebola, they probably did that to their own followers, too, once they got back. We're like, here you go, try this. Now that building we were talking about a little bit earlier, they let out noxious fumes from the building that was believed to be affiliated with them. And actually caused approximately 100 people to complain in Kodo, which is a ward of Tokyo, about this noxious, sulfury smell and irritated eyes, scratch of the throat. So these guys are actually actively trying to gas the neighborhood that they were operating out of as well. At what point do we cross over from cult to just terrorists? I think they've already crossed the threshold. Yeah, because obviously the belief system is there and then you have the leader once that starts to be divided amongst other people like you have all these ministry members which was kind of like kunungu you know they had different leaders but this is all being spread out over many different people and now it's less about what the group is doing and what they're all about and more about instilling fear and murder pretty much on a mass scale And if they're dealing in biological weapons and gases and stuff like that, then they're definitely just a terrorist group. A a terrorist group with legal protection and tax exemption. So I would say that's probably the only reason that they were kind of labeled as a religious entity, just to keep that tax status. That's why we need to start a cult. I mean, a religious uh, sect. Hushlings. We will return after these brief messages. Greetings, Hushtillians. The boys are back for another investigation. This time, we find ourselves in Boundary County, Idaho, at a cabin occupied by the Weaver family. Its owner, Randy Weaver, was under a bench warrant after his failure to appear on federal firearms charges. On August 21st, 1992, an 11-day siege ensued when the deputies of the U.S. Marshal Service came to arrest Randy. With controversial sniper posts and other inconsistencies, it resulted in the deaths of two U.S. Marshal deputies and Vicki Weaver. On Monday, July 31st, join Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour for our 78th debriefing, where we re-examine Ruby Ridge. Welcome back to the Hush Hush Society Conspiracy Hour. Following the sarin gas attack in Tokyo, Alm members told Japanese officials that Alm dispersed anthrax at their Tokyo headquarters at this time. Two Alm members pled guilty to carrying dangerous chemicals on an airplane in Perth, Australia. Throughout 1994, the cult began manufacturing AK-74s. 
A hazardous odor was reported near the premises of On in the Yamanishi Prefecture. The police charged the cult with plundering an in-owner of his receipts. All members broke into the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department in order to steal driver's license data. Is that for scouting purposes? It must have been. If you're stealing receipts of people that stayed at the inn, and then you're stealing information of driver's licenses, it sounds like you're trying to recruit slash kidnap. Yeah, it's like data mining. Followers were arrested on suspicion of breaking into the offices of Nippon Electronics Company. The purpose was to obtain information on laser technology. They also broke into the Hiroshima factory of the Mitsubishi Heavy Industries in order to steal technical documents on weapons such as tanks and artillery. Oh, see, they're really stepping it up. Now they're building an army. Yeah, they were they were not fucking around. I'm telling you, terrorism. Yeah. That's all it is, man. For sure. Hyped up. During 1995, all members killed Tadahiro Hamaguchi by spraying him with VX while he was walking on an Osaka street. They were also everywhere, too. They were all over Japan doing whatever the hell they were doing. Now, Alm allegedly attacked an 83-year-old man with VX gas as well. Tomomitsu Nimi gassed Hiroyuki Nagakoa, the head of the Association of Victims of Alm Shinrikyo. Nagakoa survived, but was actually in a coma. I don't know if he's still alive now. And a village office administrator was kidnapped and killed by drug injection. The body was burned in a microwave incinerator located in an underground room. Cooked from the inside out. Yeah, like a potato. Microwave incinerator? Doesn't that Mm. cook from the inside out? I've never heard of a microwave incinerator. No. It's just a giant microwave. A microwave can be used as an incinerator if you nuke it long enough. Yeah, true. Hot pocket. On the night of June 27th, 1994, the cult carried out a chemical weapons attack against civilians when they released sarin in the central Japanese city of Matsumoto, Nagano. With the help of a converted refrigerator truck, members of the cult released a cloud of sarin which floated near the homes of judges who were overseeing a lawsuit concerning a real estate dispute which was predicted to go against the cult. This Matsumoto incident killed eight and harmed 500 more. These guys are so fucking petty. (laughs) So petty. Like, oh, we lost this business. We're going to fucking gas you. On the morning of March 20th of 1995, the worst terrorist attack on Japanese soil unfolded. Unless you count uh, us showing them the sun twice. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, that's subjective. <laughs> that was wartime, not terror. Fair. All members released a binary chemical weapon, closely chemically similar to sarin, in a coordinated attack on five trains in the Tokyo subway system, killing 13 commuters, seriously injuring 54 and affecting 980 more. Ten members boarded trains with bags of sarin gas and luggage, as well as an umbrella to puncture said bag. Some passengers were able to kick some of the bags off the train, which unfortunately put commuters on the platforms at risk, and some died. A rail worker unknowingly removed the bag and eventually died. So these guys, 
were doing it like foolproof. They literally had bags of sarin gas inside of just regular knapsacks and bags. I guess there was one guy allegedly that tried to do this another time and didn't actually go through with it because he felt bad. So he had, a, he had a conscience. He probably still got arrested for it. But over the next week, the full scale of Alm's activities was revealed for the first time. At the Colts headquarters on the foot of Mount Fuji, police found explosives, chemical weapons, and the said Russian MI-17 helicopter. Ah, they got his chopper. And there were stockpiles of the AK-74s we were talking about, indications of interest, research experiments in creating laser, seismic, and nuclear weaponry. You guys want to create earthquakes. Man, they were they were reaching for the stars, these guys. Additionally, there were chemicals that could be used for producing enough sarin to kill 4 million people. Jesus Christ. Yeah, They had a shit. stockpile, dude. Yeah, big yikes energy right there. Can you imagine if they got away with doing something like that? Overthrow the whole island of Japan. It's theirs. Can you imagine if they did that coordinated in other cities and just took over? If they allegedly have 30,000 people just in Japan. And then a coordinated attack like that brings in people that want to join the cause. Police also found laboratories to manufacture drugs such as LSD, methamphetamine, and a crude form of truth serum, a safe containing millions of U.S. dollars in cash and gold, as well as cells, many containing prisoners, and barrels presumably used for getting rid of bodies. During the raids, Alm issued statements claiming that the chemicals were used for fertilizers. Within six weeks of the attack, over 150 cult members were arrested for a variety of offenses. Now, for those of you that don't know about sarin gas, here's a little background. It was created in mid-1939 by the German Army Weapons Office, and it is a colorless, odorless liquid. Used as a chemical weapon due to its extreme potency as a nerve agent. Did you get that? German Army Weapons Office? Exposure is lethal even at very low concentrations, where death can occur within 1 to 10 minutes after direct inhalation of a lethal dose, due to suffocation from respiratory paralysis. Oh, that sucks. sounds like a terrible fucking way yeah, to die. Yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. The worst part is you wouldn't even know what's going on. No, you're just choking. You probably take a big breath of it and you're like, <clears throat> what the hell is that? You're like, that smells like farts. What the fuck? And then you just can't breathe and it's it's lights out. Panic yeah. for eight minutes until you die. And that's ruthless. It's par for the course for who, who created it. I mean, that's in line with the, the VX gas also. Mm-hmm. It touches your body and you're just like, oh, well, that's it. But you suffer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't know. I've never had cyanide put in my body, but I would imagine cyanide's pretty quick. But this seems to be a long, drawn-out... Ten minutes is long enough to suffer and die, I would imagine. Yeah, with your lungs evaporating. It, it gets real fucked up, guys, as if it's not been fucked up already. In speeches, Asahara repeatedly refers to sarin. Uh, these guys had a hard dick for sarin. That was their big thing. There were translated documents found at an ARM facility that included a dated December 30th, 1994 manual on how to make sarin. The publisher of the manual was listed as Matsumoto Armin, and within the manual, it includes chemical configurations for sarin, and its song entitled, quote, Song of Sarin, the Magician. 
whose lyrics include all right strap in guys this is fucking wild hold on can you sing it sing that shit you gotta sing that shit oh my god all right I'll in try. the melody of like uh twinkle twinkle little star no it really look at it real quick and think about stairway to heaven it sounds like that should we all do it? Should we should we do it together? Acapella this thing? How do you make a song about sarin gas? All right, all right. I'm going to read it. Here's the lyrics, guys. This is fucking crazy. It came from Nazi Germany, a little dangerous chemical weapon, sarin sarin. If you inhale the mysterious vapor, you will fall with bloody vomit from your mouth. Sarin, 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 the chemical weapon. Song of Sarin, the brave. In the peaceful night of Matsumoto City, People can be killed, even with our own hands. This place is full of death, of dead bodies all over. There, inhale. Saren. Saren. Prepare, Saren. Prepare, Saren. Immediately, poisonous gas weapons will fill the place. Spray. Spray. Saren the Brave. Saren. Sounds like a banger. So, if you couldn't pick it up, these guys were completely obsessed with Saren gas. An interesting tidbit about this attack, as some experts believe there could have been death tolls in the hundreds of thousands if um, chemists use older synthesized or a more pure or potent sarin than what they had in their possession previously. Fortunately, the one used in the attacks were only at about 30% efficiency. That's a scary thought. Yeah. If they had a more potent gas. Oof. Yeah, the ones that they would have had earlier i'm not sure what they did with it they might have gotten raided i'm not sure but whatever one that they had this time was not the same uh recipe i guess what they say their stockpile death toll could have been 300 million or 400 million million or something four million million. yeah yeah so so multiply that by another you know 70 percent three times yeah could have been a lot worse good thing they had bad chemists like, I bet you those cooks got fucking shot. Probably. Yeah. There were a couple of other smaller attacks throughout 1995, one of which being the chief of the National Police Agency who was shot four times near his house in Tokyo and was seriously wounded. No one was ever charged or officially linked to this crime, though it's pretty well known that it was... um. On the evening of May 5th, a burning paper bag was discovered in a toilet in Tokyo's busy Shinjuku station. Using a hydrogen cyanide device, which, had it not been extinguished in time, would have released enough gas into the ventilation system to potentially kill 10,000 commuters. Jesus, guys were on it. In June, an individual unrelated to Om had launched a copycat attack by hijacking all Nippon Airways Flight 857, a Boeing 747 leaving Tokyo. The hijacker claimed to be an OM member in possession of sarin and plastic explosives, but these claims were ultimately found to be false. That's what I'm talking about. If there had been a bigger thing going on, then you would have had a lot more people that would have caught on to this, and maybe you would have had more people try to join the group or, like this guy, become a copycat, start doing the same thing across the country. And on the 4th of July, several undetonated cyanide devices were found at other locations in Tokyo's subway system. Man. That's frightening. Because all it takes is a bag. 
How many times we've been on the subway, Mike, and something like that? You never thought about that. You always thought about the guy puking on you. I was never, never, hey, I'm going to die by choking on my own bloody vomit. Scary thought, yeah. We could go super, super deep into the trials and all the convictions, but uh, this is really just about the cult itself and kind of give you the rundown on what happened to these guys. On September 15th of 2006, Shoko Asahara lost his final appeal against the death penalty, which he was convicted for earlier in the 90s. The following day on September 16th, Japanese police raided the offices of Aleph in order to, quote, prevent any illegal activities by cult members in response to the confirmation of Asahara's death sentence, end quote. A total of 13 members were eventually sentenced to death. And with so much bad publicity, in January of 2000, the organization decided to change its name to Aleph a reference to the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and it also replaced its logo. That same month, the group was placed under surveillance for a period of three years under an anti-OM law, in which the group was required to submit a list of members and details of assets to authorities. In that same year of 2000, a Russian member was arrested for plotting a bombing attack as part of a plan to rescue a Sahara from police custody. The plan was led by Dmitry Sigachev, who was arrested, and in 2001, Russian members had reportedly planned to attack the Tokyo Imperial Palace. They were going to use explosives in an effort to free a Sahara from the police custody. A full extraction, a full Russian extraction, dude. Mm-hmm. Yo, there was mad Russians, like non-Asian Russians, that were a part of this cult as well. Well, this group was probably one of their big buyers, obviously. True. Only benefits them to have him out. In January 2003, Japan's Public Security Intelligence Agency received a permission to extend the surveillance for another three years to gather evidence. In April of 2004, the authorities still considered the group, quote, a threat to society. According to a June 2005 report by the National Police Agency, Aleph had approximately 1,650 members, of whom 650 live communally in 26 facilities and compounds in 17 prefectures and in about 120 residential facilities. So these guys are pretty widespread. They got camps, shanty towns. Widespread, but still together, yeah. closely knit. A former Alms spokesman and director of Alms Moscow Division finally announced the long-awaited separation on March 8th of 2007. The new group was Hikari Noa, or, quote, the Circle of Light. They claimed to be committed to uniting science and religion and creating a, quote, new science of the human mind, which was aiming to move the group away from its criminal history and is active in trying to recruit new members via social media now, and still on college campuses as of 2011. I'm sold. Let's go. The Public Security Intelligence Agency took a snapshot inside Aleph's premises sometime around April of 2013. A bundle of papers is pierced with a knife on an altar-like item in the shot. Photographs of PSIA staffs and directors, police officers, and lawyer Taro Takamoto, who assisted followers in leaving Om Shinriku. They were all included in the files. 
So as of 2013, they were still ready to hit. Just re-identify. Yeah. Keep it pushing. Wow. Simple rebrand. Yep. At the time, Aleph still exhibited images of Shoko Asahara and urged followers, hinting that not much has changed other than sitting in the shadows for maybe what is to come. Japan's Public Security Examination Commission announced in January 2015 that Om Shinriku's two spin-offs would remain under surveillance for three years. They love the three-year investigations. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's some sort of weird cap and they can only do it in three-year increments or something. I don't Could know. Could be. Could be. Strange. Part of their judicial system. Yeah. Checks yeah. and balances, baby. In March of 2016, Montenegro expelled 58 foreigners suspected of being associated with Aum Shinrikyo or Aleph. Four of them were from Japan, 43 were from Russia, seven were from Belarus, three were from Ukraine, and one was from Uzbekistan. On April 5th of that year, the Russian Investigative Committee announced the opening of a criminal case against Aum Shinrikyo followers. Investigators of the Federal Security Service, or FSB agents, conducted raids in Moscow and St. Petersburg to apprehend them and seize literature, religious items, and electronic data. And on September 20th, the Russian government officially declared Aum Shinrikyo a terrorist organization and outlawed it in the country, and anyone found within would be prosecuted and or deported from the country. A startling fact, at the time of this 1995 attack, the cult had an estimated 30,000 followers in Russia. In November of 2017, Japanese police raided five offices of Aleph in an investigation into the group's recruiting practices after a young woman paid tens of thousands of yen for study sessions. I mean, it seems a little sus, but yoga is also expensive. $10,000 expensive? Depends who your yoga instructor is. How much meth you're smoking at your yoga <laughs> class. It all depends on what you consume. This is a huge group, though. It's it's definitely the biggest cult, if we still want to call them that, that we've covered. And I hate saying it, but we could have done a part two. But this is it in a nutshell, for sure. It's not frequent that you see things like this being multinational worldwide. Oh, boy. It all had to catch up at some point. On July 6th of 2018, with 13 members on death row at the time, Asahara and six other Aum Shinriku members were executed by hanging. Japan's Justice Minister Yoko Kamikawa stated that the crimes plunged people, not only in Japan, but in other countries as well, into deadly fear and shook society to its core. Interestingly enough, executions are actually quite rare in Japan, yet with this case, they did have the public support, obviously. And all executions are hanging. All Japanese executions? Apparently. If you're lucky, your neck gets snapped. Protect your neck. On January 1st of 2019 in Tokyo, Aum sympathizer Kazuhiro Kuzakabi told authorities he intentionally rammed into pedestrians crowded into narrow Takashita Street in Harajuku District as a terrorist attack in retaliation for the execution. The attack left eight injured, and a ninth person was also directly injured by the driver. 
It remains unclear whether he was referencing the 2018 execution of Om Shinriko's Doomsday Cult members directly or just making a broader statement. I would say he's probably making it about that. It was, what, a year later? Less he than just a year? doesn't like executions. Hushlings, the time has come for the Reddit portion of today's debriefing. And today's post comes from the subreddit r history what if and recently user macrowive said quote what if in 1993 the om shinriko cult from japan hijacked planes and flew them into the world trade center and pentagon oh, shit. om shinriko is a cult best known for the tokyo subway sarin gas attack in 95 and they believed a doomsday prophecy of war between japan and the u.s that would wipe out humanity for the members of the cult Jeez, that's a big one right there. Goes on to say, what if they decided to take things one step further and decided to carry out a strike at the U.S. to instigate their prophesized war? Basically, if the events of World Trade Center bombing or 9-11 had occurred like it did in February of 1993, just after Bill Clinton was inaugurated, and the perpetrators were and until the obscure Japanese cult instead of Al-Qaeda. How do you think things would play out? Sorry, Hushlings. That's exactly how it's written. Yeah, he, he was good for a couple sentences and then really lost us there. It's a fun thought, but I don't think there was any money for the U.S. in Japan for us to ever go there. So it would have never happened. The, yeah. the only one that would have made sense would be like the 1993 bombings. But I'm pretty sure they caught the guy. Unless he was a patsy for Om Shinriko. <laughs> Who knows? It's an interesting thought. All right, Hushlings. That brings us to our final thoughts. This is a rough one. Declassified Dave, what do you got? These people are fucked up. My real thought for this whole thing is uh, these people were living in an alternate reality. Whether they were forced LSD, methamphetamine, whatever it is, truth serum, whatever that is, that's probably meth and LSD, who knows? Whatever they were given, if they were forced it or not, uh, I think these people, especially Asahara, was living in an alternate reality. I mean, the guy thought he could fucking float. These people were just, I think they're, they were crazy and manipulated. It's really difficult for us to understand because Japanese society is so much different than ours. So I, I think it's hard for us to understand like how easy it could be to capture people to be like, you can do whatever you want. Also, you can do fucking drugs, and we're gonna survive this war. So... This is a deep one. These guys were mass manipulators on top of psychopaths. It could have been so much worse. Pretty simple. I think it's terrifying to think about what these guys could have become or the potential for the amount of people that they could have killed. So if their sarin gas was only at working at 30% capacity and that may have killed up to 4 million people, 100% capacity would have been closer to 13 million people, over 13 million people. So to think about that, like Frank had said earlier in the episode, if they had coordinated some sort of attack across Japan or another country and just let loose that gas, that, that would have been insane. Crazy, catastrophic, biggest terrorist attack in the world. But these guys had potential to become that. And I think at, certain, at a certain point, they definitely stopped being a cult and became a terrorist cell. But 
they had the elements of a cult. Obviously, you had this insane leader and multiple leaders and treatment of its members and uh, just this kind of zero tolerance policy of just like fall in line and do what we say. They had me in the beginning, you know, when we were hanging out in the basement, maybe watching some anime and uh, drinking a cold one, hanging out. I don't know how you went from that to planning terrorist attacks on hundreds of thousands of people or millions of people. It's pretty insane. Slick Frank Sanders, what do you got for your final thoughts on On Shinrikyu? Definitely a wild one. I'm still a little bit perplexed as to how this wonky basement cult turned into a terrorist organization, but obviously it was planned out. Like, I don't think a a switch flipped one day and they just said, we're going to start taking people out Um, because they, they started as their cult with their religious beliefs. And then they started cooking up meth and flipping LSD and they were taking a bunch of loans from their members and using that money and investing it into things that would make them more money. And then they used that money to start buying crazy amounts of sarin gas and buildings to disperse it as well as weaponry helicopters. They're looking into tanks and shit. So that build up to almost militarization it happened over the course of a couple of years and i'm i'm curious as to if this dude had that in his head his whole entire time when starting this movement up if that was always the plan you know just little blind kid at birth just wanted to take out his vengeance on the world on the innocent for nothing i mean bully bully from a child bully all the way up to adulthood like it just moved a little bit quicker and a little bit more violent as the years went on. Freaky shit. Could have been worse. What if he just had that one trip and snapped his neck and just stayed in it? Because he was just doing acupuncture and yoga. That would be a terrifying lifelong trip to be <laughs> stuck ma- in. Can you imagine seeing like every time you drive by a yoga studio now, you're like, they could that could be the next one. That could be the next one. <laughs> Maybe it's all them. Yoga's a front for a terrorist movement. Every yoga studio is just an Om Shinriku center. All right, Hushlings, that's going to do it for this one. What did you think? Is there anything we missed? Anything we should have discussed? Was our information not potent enough? Let us know. Reach out to us. Contact at com. Also, Hushlings, before we go... Our three-year birthday is coming up. We're going to be three. We're toddlers. We're moving along. Things are amazing. August 14th, we will be three years in production of the show. Thank you so much, obviously, for everything that you have done for us. We would not be a show without you. Be sure to tune in. We will be going at the Conspiracy Iceberg Chart yet again, part two in our finale, August 14th. So be sure to stay tuned for that one. And that is the exact date of when we launched our trailer. Hushlings, be sure to tune in for our next debriefing. We'll be covering Ruby Ridge. That will be out on Monday, July 31st. Getting down to the wire for the season, guys. And Mm -hmm. patrons, our next exclusive debriefing, you've heard it a ton of times because the calendar has been super, super wonky. FEMA camps. We're going to 
get in between the fence, find our plastic coffin, and see what's going on in those detention centers. That'll be uh, only on Patreon Thursday, the 20th of this month. Thank you all for sitting on the yoga mat with us yet again for a meditative, ghastly, hush-hush society conspiracy hour episode. I'm Declassified Dave. I'm Mystery Mike. And I'm Sick Frank Sanders. Until our next debriefing, remember, the best kept secrets are hidden in plain sight.